Hello and welcome to Not So Molly Mormon Podcast. Hello everyone and welcome back. This is Sarah. And this is Katie. Ah, I'm so happy to be back. We It doesn't seem to you guys like we took any time off, but we did. We just had, we did a really long recording session one day and then released them through the week. So, so happy to be back. Yeah, it feels like forever even though it's only been two weeks but still it totally throws you off your routine and um I had a a guest visiting one of um actually he's been a a guest on the show so Jay our lovely friend Jay was here in Berlin for two weeks so it was really nice um but yeah we weren't able to record while he was here but now we're back and it feels weird and great <laughs> at the same time. So bear with me because I'm going to be awkward. It's like, you know, the first time recording where that was just a mess. I'm always so impressed, but also <laughs> embarrassed when people tell us like, oh, I started binge listening to your podcast and started from the first episode. And I'm like, no, start from like 20 onward. <laughs> you know what's funny is I've literally been tempted to go back in our oh. library and just get rid of at least the first five episodes because they're so embarrassing to me. And I'm like, how do people, how do people go back and listen to this? The audio shit, we rambled forever. It was mm-hmm. just so all over the place. but. You all are so lovely, and you keep saying that you start from the beginning, so I've left them. I mean, maybe in the future we can, like, redo them, and then I'll replace them. I don't know. Yeah, we can do, like, a remake. Yeah, they're there for nostalgic purposes right now. (laughs) I know, I'm the same as you. I get very impressed when we get messages saying people started from the beginning and kept going. I'm like, how did you (laughs) you keep listening to us? I don't know. For real, I... (laughs) I don't even know. Like, I can't, I I struggle just to listen to any of our episodes. Um, I know that we should just to like, and Katie's really great about it to make sure that the audio sounds good or like it's edited well, but I just can't. Like, sometimes I'll listen. I'm like, I can't do it. I don't. (laughs) <laughs> I don't want to hear myself. Although it's been it's been really nice like listening to you and Dusty on a few episodes. And I'm like, oh my god, it's weird. Like I'm not on there, so I can. I <laughs> it is weird. It, it feels weird. It's I know. Crazy. I I've gotten more used to it since I do. I do very minimal editing. You guys, that don't put me up on a pedestal or anything. But I I have gotten more used to um how we sound. But isn't that so strange? I remember like the first time. Remember back in the day, you'd like set up your voicemail. And you'd be like, hey, it's Katie, leave a message. And then you'd have to listen to it back. And I'd be like, oh, do I sound like that? That's how it was for maybe the first whole year of this podcast. I was like, oh, God, that's what I sound like. Yeah, definitely. And being like, listen, bitch, I know you crack yourself up, but like, you don't to a lot of people. So stop. Because I would still listen and be like, "Mm, that was funny. I'm I'm such a funny bitch. (laughs) Anyway, point being is that you all are so much nicer than we are. And we just love you. We love you for listening, for all of your amazing iTunes reviews. You guys, you don't know how much that helps us out. So thank you to all of you who have done that. And if you could go leave us five stars over there, it, it helps us immensely. So thank you so much for that. And a big thank you to our patrons, as always. Um, a little segue there, because I want to shout out some of our new patrons. 
Which we have a few, right? They were rolling in this week. Yeah. Yeah. So we have Shanoa. What a cute name. Cool name. Beautiful name. Shanoa. Are we ever pronouncing it correctly? But that's amazing. Yeah. Welcome to Patreon. Thank you. Uh, Then we also have Mars. Another really cool name. Um, I'm obsessed. And now I also want a Mars bar. Um, (laughs) Yes. So welcome. Thank you so much. And um, our our patron Trisha upped their pledge. I saw that. Yep, up to the Celestial Kingdom now. Celestial Kingdom. (laughs) Trisha, Trisha, you bad bitch. Thank you so much for your pledge. That is amazing. We really appreciate it. Thank you. And last but certainly not least, we have a new Outer Darkness member, the highest level you can be. And that is our new patron, I believe your name is pronounced Chantal, but I could be wrong. Let us know. We just sent you your personalized welcome video. You should be getting that in your email. So thank you so much, Chantal. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Chantal. Chantel. I don't know. Please correct us. Either way, beautiful name. And thank you so much for being in Outer Darkness. We nerd out every single time someone joins Outer Darkness because we're like, what the actual fuck? People want to be there with us. (laughs) Yeah, what it's is happening. That's amazing. It's so fun. Yeah. So if you guys want to join the fun over on Patreon, um, it's just over at patreon.com slash not so Molly Mormon. And we yeah. post every week at a minimum once a week in there. So yeah, we love it. Love um, it. And we just did an episode just now, which um I think, yeah, you, you guys will you'll like it. I know you'll like it because it gets gets the blood boiling, you know. We got the blood boiling like we do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um all right. So for today's uh, topic, wait, wait, wait. I guess. Okay. Oh, oh, sorry. I didn't sorry. ask you. Do you have announcements, Sarah? <laughs> I don't have announcements, but I'm just very curious and wanted to put this out there for our listeners. If you know this information. Ooh, so, okay. Background. Um, a friend of mine who is Mormon has been volunteering at the um, Berlin main train station for the Ukrainian refugees. And she's been going like every day. And I think it's really great. And she was over, but she made a comment that actually really, really annoyed me because not, and I know she didn't mean it on purpose, but it was just like this idea of, you know, she was saying, oh, the, ch- the church is like really, you know, basically alluding that the church has helped so much with the Ukrainian refugees and like the situation right now, which is a horrible crisis. And I know we haven't talked about it a lot on the podcast. And I think that's mostly due to uh, me personally just being so close to it and not I mean, I'm not affected in any way. I'm very fortunate that it hasn't affected me, but being surrounded by people who it has affected and being close to the war, it's just like, it kind of, it's a mind fuck, right? Like yeah. this is even happening. Um, but she made this comment that alluded to like, you know, and you know, because the church is doing so much and da, 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 da. And I was so close to being like, but is it, do we actually know that the church itself, the organization, the entity itself has donated money towards the Ukrainian crisis and situation and refugees like do we know that or is it just the case of as usual they send out a letter to each of the churches the bishop reads it at the pulpit at sacrament and says look members you need to step up volunteer your time services and your money like increase your tithing and fast offering I think it's the latter 
And that really pisses me off for many reasons. But especially when she said it, I just wanted to say, no, look, it's you doing this. You are the one who was there at the train station, helping out, volunteering your time every single day, gathering money and donations, which is great that so many people have donated. But why why do the members need to gather money? Why can't the church give money right. to the situation? Right. I know. And it's, it's usually how it goes is like, get up and give because you can, right? Yeah. Um, and it takes just, away from her. It takes away from the fact that she is not the church. She's an individual person who's helping. Like, but the church seems to get oh, all the yeah. credit. And, and she's she's giving credit for what she's doing to the church. That's yeah. yeah. That's that's a little unnerving, a little annoying to me. I guess I just oh. did a quick Google, and um, it seems like they're giving. Uh, According to the churchnews.com, it says that we're giving the help they can. We have members in Ukraine who are helping. Um, the church's charity has provided sleeping bags, cots, and tents. And then according to one article I see here, the church has donated $4 million um, to two relief organizations to help Ukrainians. So I don't know exactly. I'd like to know exactly what that is. And I mean, that's that's fine and good, but sometimes when you just think of how little four million is compared to the hundreds of billions, you're like, what made you what made you settle on four million when you could have given a hundred? I don't know. Exactly. I mean, I think it's great. Like, that's amazing that they donated four million. But in the grand scheme of things, like instead of asking your members to donate a lot of their money when they probably don't have it, why don't you step up? And donate a hell of a lot more because you have that money. I mean, four million is like a drop in the ocean to the hundred millions that they have. Like it's nothing. You know what they'd say to, to you if you said that? It'd be like, oh, so you just don't want them to give any money? Wouldn't you be happy with four million? And it's like yeah. that'd be like someone giving me a penny and being like, you should thank me. Exactly. <laughs> and that's how I feel. Like it's it's one of those situations where like, of course, I'm happy and I'm glad that they're helping in general and that Mormons are helping, but I, it also just really irks me because I know, and I'm not saying that my friend feels this way in any way. Like I just think in general, it's, it's a lot to do with like, you're told you have to, like it's an obligation and also like to score extra righteous points. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Serve. And again, I'm not saying every Mormon is like that. I'm not saying that that is what you're, you know, these people are doing or they're helping. But for me, it's a different, it's a different way of approaching any type of service now that I've left the church. It's oh, like 100%. I because I want to do it and not because I feel obligated. Like, right. You know, and then Greg once and you I, do like, it, you can, you can take credit. I did that because I wanted to, not because my church told me to. Kind exactly. Of yeah, 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 exactly. I don't know. It just, for some reason it really bothered me. So I wanted to ask you and the listeners, like if you guys had any more information, if, you had opinions, thoughts, let me know. Like maybe I'm just being like ultra sensitive about it, but No, I I understand where you're coming from. I think I would have felt the same way if I would have been there and would have heard that and heard how someone speaks about the church kind of being more grand than they actually are. And it's kind of like they do these little things here and there that are you know, technically humanitarian aid, but then they're also doing so much damage in other areas and like traumatizing people for life that you're kind of just like I'm not going to give the church that much credit, you know? <laughs> yeah, and I think, and to be fair, I think another reason why I was already in the mood was because I got a friend request. I think it was the second time 
from this fucking Mormon missionary here in Brooklyn. Oh, God. And I was like, add me one more fucking time and I'm going to lose my shit. I'm going to send you a message and be like, fuck off. Like, stop sending me requests. I know what they're doing. They have a list of people who, well, I shouldn't yep. even be on the list anymore because I removed my name from the records. But maybe they still have some type of list that's like, yeah, their name's removed, but they're still living in Berlin. Because I could see that they were mutual friends. Like, we had mutual friends. The very few Mormon friends I have left on my social media in Berlin. And I thought, "Ah, like, you've just added me. You don't know who I am. Your profile picture is you as a Mormon. And then your caption in your bio is like, I am a missionary for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I'm like, I can't. I can't I don't and they're now like I told you like doing it in Facebook groups and I keep seeing them more often now like they're in all the Berlin Facebook where they ask questions like so what's what's there to do in Berlin and people who Mm -hmm. don't know that they're Mormon missionaries are like oh okay let me ask you and then they're like yeah I'm here for two years and they go on to their like spiel in the comments trying to convert people yeah, they, like, they're doing they're doing that here in Arizona. I'm sure they're doing it everywhere. But yeah, they'll inf- infiltrate groups and ask like, "Where's a good place to eat?" Or they'll, you know, be in groups that are like buy sell, and then they'll also, um, yeah, just be in like all the, they'll advertise like, "Oh, I can come. Do you need any services done? I can work for free for so many hours." But then that's a way to get them then you feel obligated to like let them come inside and give you the, their um, lessons. It's just, (laughs) I don't like it. It's, it's It's manipulative. It's really manipulative. Like just come out and say, Hey, I am a Mormon missionary. I would love to help if you wanted me to like, just let people know that. I think it's really deceitful. I'm sure it is. And I'm sure they're being taught to do that. I'm sure that's like part of their agenda. Yeah. Yeah, oh, guys, can you tell I'm on a, I'm in a mood, I'm in a rant, I'm sorry. <laughs> and it is just going to continue. <laughs> um, okay, so how I thought about this topic, whoa, my mouth didn't make the word correct there. How I thought about <laughs> this topic <laughs> was, um, I was, I remembered this specific interview that Gordon B. Hinckley did with on Larry King Live in 1998. Um, so if you guys don't know, I bet you do know by now if you've listened to us this many times, but Gordon B. Hinckley uh, was a Mormon prophet. He was the main prophet for like most of Sarah and mine, like childhood and y- young adult years. Yeah. Um, And so he went on Larry King Live in 1998 and he had this specific quote and I was like thinking about it and I was trying to find it. So I went online and I did find this specific quote and I'll tell you about it. But what I also found when I was looking for it was another appearance that Gordon B. Hinckley did on Larry King Live in 2004. And I actually found that full transcript and Sarah didn't know about this until just a couple of minutes ago that I got the transcript and we're going to read it for you. I'm going to play Larry King and Sarah's going to play GBH. <laughs> this is our acting um, appearance. This oh, is where we make our debut. So know that we were act- actresses, actors. actors. Um, <laughs> I feel like we're reading for an audition right now. I know. You better not fuck it up. <laughs> I definitely will. Uh, okay, so I want, before we start, I wanted to read you the quote that like made me think about this and made me think 
that we needed to go on a deep dive in uh, old Gordon's life. So, okay, Larry King says, now the big story raging in Utah, before we get back to morals, is the big story, if you don't know it, is polygamy in Utah. There's been major changes. The governor, Mike Levitt, says that there are legal reasons why the state of Utah has not prosecuted alleged polygamists. Levitt said plural marriage may be protected by the First Amendment. He is the great-great-grandson, the governor, of a polygamist. First, tell me about the church and polygamy and when it started, when the church started, it allowed it. And then this is what Gordon B. Hinckley says. It started when our people came west, they permitted it on a restricted scale. Oh, Jesus. That's what he said. And then he goes on to say, the figures I have are from between 2% and 5% of our people were involved in it. It was a very limited practice, carefully safeguarded. In 1890, that practice was discontinued. The president of the church, the man who occupied the position which I occupy today, went before the people and he said, oh, he prayed about it, worked on it, and had received revelation from the Lord that it was time to stop and to discontinue it then. That's 118 years ago and it's behind us. Uh, it's not, it's according not. to me, if you nope. know your own doctrine, you know, that. yeah, you know, it's, it's, yeah, and he just full on lied. He didn't acknowledge that Joseph Smith started it. He said it started when they came out west, <laughs> and then he said that it was on a very small scale between two percent and five percent, and that's a lie, even according to the church now. This is the essay on lds.org about polygamy now the gospel topic essay it says probably half of those living in utah territory in 1857 experienced life in a polygamous family what so here's here's my other question riddle me this how can a prophet of god fuck up numbers like that and stats because he was lying he was lying like and, and this is in- like perfect, you know, or like not perfect, but he should know these things. Like he talks to God on yeah. a daily basis. He should know what the right numbers are before he goes on Larry King. Exactly. Like he should know this. And either he did and he lied or he just didn't know. And I, I it makes me, yeah, this was before the internet, really. I mean, it was just starting out internet in 1998. So like, People weren't going to check and say, like, oh, he's a liar, and now we can. So Yeah, exactly, because they weren't <laughs> able to just do a quick Google or yeah. go to the church's own fucking website and pull out the stats from there. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so there that was what got me started on this rabbit hole, and I found the transcript of his other – one of his other interviews on Larry King live in 2004, and I got that transcript, and we're going – to have give you the performance of a lifetime. I hope you all are ready. <laughs> I've cleared my throat. I have my water beside me. I think I'm ready. <laughs> all right. I'll start. <laughs> Remember, I'm Larry King, everybody. <laughs> I'm GBH, everyone. Remember, Gordon B. Hinckley, GBH. Okay. Good evening. We have a... I can't take myself seriously. <laughs> Okay, we're continue. Good evening. We have a special Sunday night edition of Larry King Live tonight with a very special guest. He's President Gordon B. Hinckley, the president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, known as the Mormons. <laughs> Back when they could say Mormon. Yeah, exactly. He, 
He is the 15th such president or prophet in that great church's long history. And we're in an unusual building. We're across from the temple. What is this, Mr. President? Mr. What do I? President, right? Can I, I can call you Mr. President and George Bush will jump in. Oh, God, that was back in the day with George Bush. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay, here I come in. Okay. This is our conference center. It's a new building. It's a magnificent building. It seats some 21,000 people without any pillars anywhere to stand in the way of their sight. Great organ, a wonderful organ, wonderful <laughs> choir section, orchestra here, and seating for 21,000 people. Wait, where did Sarah go? I'm only hearing Gordon B. Hinckley. <laughs> if it was really Gordon B. Hinckley, I should be doing, this is a great organ, a wonderful organ, wonderful choir section. Remember, he was so soft-spoken. He was soft-spoken, and he would have a certain inflection and in how yep. he would say things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, they're talking about the conference center where they have they all gather for general conference. And I guess that's where they're having the interview by the wonderful organ. (laughs) Okay, how does it differentiate from the church itself? Well, it's just a part of our structure. The tabernacle just got too small for us. And moreover, it's getting tired. We're going to have to shut it down for a year and work it over. It's 137 years old. It's just a remarkable and wonderful thing that we built this before we were faced with that problem. <laughs> I love how he's making it like this such grand thing. It's so remarkable that we decided to build a bigger structure. Like, I know, it's like, that's how it works. Welcome to the world. That's how it works. <laughs> you build new buildings. Also, you have $100 billion. So you, this is nothing for you. Uh, literally nothing. And how is this structure used? The structure is used for our general conferences, which are held twice each year for other conferences, other meetings held for Christmas concerts. Did you ever go to a Christmas concert at the conference center? No, I didn't. I don't think I ever even actually, no, that's a lie. I went to the conference center once the whole time I lived in Utah. But yeah, I don't think it. I went there very much either. <clears throat> no. Okay. Like, remember, they used to have, like, tickets for general conference, and you had to, like, know someone, or, like, the bishop had to like you in order to get a ticket. Like oh, I never yeah. Oh, and they say it's not a cult. Jeez. Yep. <laughs> Why does this church concentrate so much on building things? <laughs> well, you have to house people. You have to house people if you're going to have members and you've got to take care of them. I like this is where I started. I started my blood boiling when he said yeah. you have to house people. I'm sorry, Mr. Hinkley. Like, this is, you aren't building houses. You're not building homes. You're building temples and churches and conference centers. The, people yep. don't live here. This, these aren't houses. People don't live there. The, the members of your church who are struggling financially, who may or may not have homes, you don't offer that to them. Mm-mm. So you're not housing people. No, you're just making it seem so amazing that you're building things, but you you only allow certain people inside of these buildings that you build and they're not homes. Yep. Um, okay. But you're building everywhere. You've traveled the world where you build temples. Building everywhere. <laughs> I just love that response. Sorry. We, we build nearly 400 new buildings a year across the world. We face two great problems as we grow. One is the training of local leadership. The other is construction of houses of worship where the people can meet, carry forward the program of the church. What? How are those problems? I don't understand. 
Yeah, exactly. Okay. Why do they have to be so grand? Good question, King. That's not what GBH said. That's just Sarah Little. Um, Okay, so GBH. Well, they're not so grand. They're just beautiful. Ah, they're pretty grand. Again. I love, I love that Larry King said that because it's like, love it. How can you say that your temples aren't grand? I don't. (laughs) I love that he's calling him out. Okay. Uh They're beautiful. They're beautiful. Nothing's too good for the Lord. These are houses of God devoted to worship. Nothing's too good for him. Now, in doing this, we don't neglect humanitarian efforts, welfare efforts, or things of that kind. Okay, bullshit. (laughs) This is what Larry King says back. Because you can't say a dollar spent on a building could be a dollar spent on a family. Ooh! (laughs) Spicy! That is amazing. I'm so glad that he did not hold back at all. Yeah. That's so good. Okay, GBH. Well, we take care of the family as well. I just, this no, infuriates me because there's very few times when they actually do help. And it's like, they have to basically go beg the bishop for help. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. Okay. Do presidents ever retire or must they finish their term by death? They finish their term by death. Yes. So no prophet has ever left the priesthood in a sense by retiring? No. Due to health or something? No. (laughs) And I kind of loved what he was getting at there, too. It's like, once you get so old, don't you think someone else should maybe be in charge? Exactly. Billy Graham, a friend of yours and mine, told me once that basically he thought his mission had failed and that with all the preaching and all the talk, we still have war. We still have prejudice. We still have people hating people. So Billy Graham is like an, evangel- an evangelist, but he's like one of those televangelists, I think, or maybe something oh, like that. Right. He, he's made so much money off of people, like super rich mega church, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. I think he's on TV, right? That sounds really, or is that, no, that's Billy Joel. No, not Billy Joel. (laughs) (laughs) Quote of the episode. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so Billy Graham is a American evangelist. Uh, an ordained Southern Baptist minister who became well-known internationally in the late 1940s. So, yeah, um, and you, you can see, like, pictures of him everywhere. I don't know exactly. Yeah, he, but he's very rich either way. So Yeah, he has yeah. money. Yeah. Okay, GBH. Um, meanness. So much meanness. Why? Well, God gave us our agency. He taught us the way, he showed us what to do, but he gave us our agency and left us free to act as we choose to do. But with that freedom comes responsibility and accountability, and we shall have to answer for that which we do. It's just such a, like, cop-out answer because he's just, you know, there's all this bad badness or meanness or awful ugliness in the world, and it's all just due to people just choosing, like... I mean, I get it, but I, there's also things that people don't have control over, like disease and famine and Poverty. natural disasters. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, so. It's always the answer, though. You know, when whenever someone asks a, a church member, 
or church leader, you know, well, if God is so merciful and kind, then, you know, why are all these horrible things happening in the world? Like, wouldn't he step in and answer those prayers and help people out? Like, you know, feed the poor, you know, give, yes, you know, step in with war, with horrible, you know, think about all the wars that are going on in the world. Oh, like, step in and help. Yeah. And they always just say, well, you know, God has a plan for everything. And, you know, humans are all given agency, so he can't interfere, blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, like, what good what? is God then? If he, what like, he is supposedly can, yeah. yeah, he supposedly can perform miracles and help McKinsey find her car keys, but he can't do <laughs> anything about anything <laughs> important. <laughs> McKinsey spelled. M C Z four three two Y T L McKinsey. <laughs> I love it so much. Quick side note, sorry, I, people. I know some people hate when we go on a side note, but also don't really care. Um, <laughs> but this is related. So the other day, um, I was at the pool. I have like a little community pool, and me and uh, my boyfriend were there. And then we were there for maybe like half an hour and then this family comes to the pool and we don't have many like families with young kids in our neighborhood but this family had a bunch of kids and it seemed like there was like aunts and uncles so anyways they showed up we got out of the pool because it was being overrun by kids and we were just laying in the sun well after maybe a couple of minutes we like left and we were walking back to our house and Scott goes um so that family was definitely Mormon and I was like oh yeah, they seemed like it with all the kids and stuff. And he was like, well, did you hear what they were calling the little girl? And I was like, no. And he goes, it was McKinsey. I was like, no, it it wasn't. He was like, yeah, her name was McKinsey. (laughs) I'm sorry to any of you out there if that's what you've named your child. It's not like it's an ugly name. It's just- It's not a dig at you. No, it's just very funny because it's a very Mormon kind of name. God, it's so true. It still just makes me giggle so much when those memes going around, but also like real actual people who like have these baby announcements and their names are so ridiculous. It's like, oh my word. <laughs> uh, okay, so um, GBH was just talking. Every time I say GBH, I think of GHB, like the the drug. <laughs> anyway, oh, I didn't even go there. Yeah. So he was talking about how like everyone has accountability and we have to answer for what we do. Okay. So then Larry King says, do you feel therefore that the message has not gotten through? Oh, I don't think religion has failed. It's man who has failed. Christ hasn't failed. The gospel hasn't failed. The teachings of God have not failed. But, but if man hasn't listened, men have failed. If men haven't listened, that is, they have not listened. That's right. So is that a failure? Well, it's a failure for them. Yes, of course it is. <laughs> oh, it's so classic. It's so classic. Like mm-hmm. it's the people, it's your fault. If it's not working for you, it's your fault. There's nothing wrong with the church or religion. Nope. If it's, it's your fault, you're not yeah, y- enough. It's on you. You failed. You failed. Yeah. yeah the church never fails. Um, oh yeah. And then it says not for the teacher, not for the teacher. So, yeah, the church and God is never wrong. Um, okay. When people say that you are a very rich church, financially rich church, where does that come from? Ooh, what a good question. Okay. JBH. GBH, not JBH. <laughs> well, that comes from the perception they have of what they see. 
It's just a perception. This marvelous building here. How did it get built? Oh, I'm so excited for this answer. Okay. <laughs> it got built through the tithes of the people. We practice the law of tithing. It works. It's the Lord's law. He sets it forth in about that many words. You contrast that with the internal revenue code and note the difference. But this is the way we. <laughs> You're in favor of a flat tax then. <laughs> we, the church, is sustained by the tithes of the people, which are generously given. <gasps> this is... I... Wow. I know. Isn't this crazy? So first he tries to dodge the question by not even really answering it. He just wants to say, well, we just seem rich to people who look at our temples. And then Larry King's like, but wait, where does it come from? How did you actually build this temple? And then he has to admit we take money from our members. And then he goes, I love that you're in favor of a flat tax then. And then he's kind of like, well, it's sustained by the ties of the people, which are generously given. He never once admits that it's it's required to give your money. He's like, well, they just give us their exactly. money. Exactly. And he just makes it seem like they're not that rich. It's all it's all from the tithes of people, which a huge amount of it is, obviously. But then there's also all the investments they have. It's the fact that they don't have to pay taxes. It's the fact that they've invested in property as well as companies, like pharmaceutical <laughs> companies. Like, yeah, it's so corrupt that he's just it, like, it's all from the tithes of our people who willingly give it. We don't ask. They yeah, yeah. It. So, yeah, he morphs from just saying, like, well, it's just perceived that we're rich to then being like, oh, yeah, okay, we're rich, but it's just from tithing, like, not admitting all the other stuff. (laughs) Okay. Is it important to you that the president of the United States be as, for want of a better term, religious as he is? Does that comfort you that politics and religion somehow have come together in this administration? The president of the United States? Yes. I'm glad to see that he is religious, that he does pray. I believe in prayer and divine power, and I'm grateful that he's a prayerful man. Yes. That's like the opposite of how it should be, especially in a country that claims to have separation of church and state. Like it shouldn't be. Yeah, it shouldn't be intertwined. That that. is the topic that so my husband and I I just like saying that word. um, (laughs) It still sounds so crazy to hear. (laughs) It is mind boggling. Um, We talk about quite often because in Germany and in the UK, like, you know, they still have like in the UK, they still are in England, they have like Church of England. And it's still I mean, it's not that influential in politics, but it's still there. And in Germany, you have church tax and all these things. So there isn't that separation of church and state, but it's more so like from a cultural point of view and from actual like people who are religious compared to the U S like, even though the U S says we have separation of church and state politics and everything is so heavily influenced by religion, which is yeah. not the case in these countries, even though there isn't that separate like church and state. So I don't know. We always think that basically we have this conversation quite often, how it's interesting that the U S is known for that. Like that's one of its, founding principles of the country right and pillars is the separation of church and state but yet it is still a country that is so heavily influenced by religion i mean think about yeah um that uh, it was like a republican who recently asked that democrat the question of like what is your religion that was just oh yeah right like today or yesterday i think it was graham was her name yeah 
Yeah. Um, and the fact that that's even a question that someone in, in politics and the government and can ask that question legitimately is baffling to me. Yeah, it shouldn't be a thing. And yeah, I feel exactly opposite when he was saying like, oh, yeah, I'm glad he's religious. I w- if someone asked me that, and of course, they're talking about Bush here because this is 2004. But I would just say, no, I don't I would prefer that he keeps his religion to himself. Like, I don't want to know. I don't want that to be influencing anything else. Like, well, and think about it. Think about like, I can't even fathom a president of the United States who would openly say that they are not religious. Yeah, you can't. You can't. You're you would not never gonna, win. You'd never get elected. No. Yeah. It, uh, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> um, okay. When you pray, what is that? What's occurring? Are you talking to God? You're a prophet, so God talks to you. I'm talking to God. Yes, I do pray. Of course I do. What do you do when they're not answered? Well, they are answered, but not always just the way you'd want them. Sometimes it's a no. Sometimes it's a no. (laughs) And when it's a no, how do you explain that to yourself? Ooh, this line. This is such a Mormon line. You accept it and go forward with faith. Holy fucking shit. This is all just so exactly what we were taught. First of all, if you think you don't get an answer to a prayer, you just weren't listening or it's a no or he's just not answering how you want. But either way, you're the one messing up. God's answering your prayer. Sometimes he's just telling you a no. And if so, even if you can't hear anything or feel anything, you just accept it and move on. Have faith. Forward in faith. Yep. Isn't that hard? Oh, it may be. But after all, that's the challenge of life. Sure. You ever doubted it? No. Never doubted your faith? I don't think so. Can't recall when I have. I have faith in the eternal nature of things. Oh, God. (laughs) It's just such vague answers and such like... (laughs) <laughs> like twisting words, like asking questions with the que- or answering questions with a question or like just saying weird shit. Like I believe in the divine or the eternal nature of things. What, what does that even mean? Like, yeah, you've seriously never doubted this, this crazy religion you're in. Um, okay. There's been so many changes in the social culture of this country. And in your 96 years, you've seen a lot of 95. Oh, so he had to correct him that he's only 95. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this this makes me cringe, this next part. So much like the Jews, you are very similar to the Jewish people, right? Hope so, sure. I do not like that he compares himself to Jewish people. Come on. Mormons Mormons are not like Jewish people. Like, they have not suffered what Jewish people historically have suffered. And well, even currently. They don't have the history. Like the, the, well, they don't have nearly the history. Like, come on. Okay. Family concepts? Good people. But as the mores have changed, for example, I know that the church is opposed to gay marriage. Yes. Do you have an alternative? Do you like the idea of civil unions? Well, we're not anti-gay. We are pro-family. Let me put it that way. And we love these people and try these people and try to work with them and help them. We know they have a problem. We want to help them solve that problem. Oh my God! How how high is your blood pressure right now? Wow. The 
we're not anti-gay. We are pro-family. Excuse me. Do you know that gay families exist? Do you know that gay people are in families? You that they're humans. They're not just these people who have these a people who have a problem that needs solving. Like, go away. Go away. <gasps> Oh yeah, here we go. Okay, so we want, he said we want to help them solve that problem. And then Larry King says, a problem they caused or they were born with. I don't know. I'm not an expert on these things. I don't pretend to be an expert on these things. The fact is, they have a problem. Maybe the problem is bigoted assholes like you. I just can't believe he said this in 2004 on Larry King. Yeah, yep, just God, straight up. Insane. I want to know who was PR and who was like comms for the Mormon church at this point. Cause I bet they I know really it. they've really tried to do some backpedaling and like, you know, we, we hear it all the time. Mormons will comment and message us all the time saying that like the church is not homophobic and the church is pro gay. And it's like, it's clearly not. And it, it's only been recently that they've tried to like kind of choose yeah. their words carefully in terms of saying, you know, and whatever they say about, the LGBTQ community, but yeah. And when we were growing up, it was just straight up like this. Yeah. Nope. Um, okay. So he says, do you favor some sort of state union? Well, we want to be very careful about that because that whatever may lead to gay marriage, we're not in favor of many people who have to discipline themselves. If they transgress, they become subject to the discipline of the church, but we try in every way that we know how to help them, to assist them, to bless their lives. So he's he's saying like not even yeah like this is so clear the church is not even in favor of like the state individual states performing unions of gay people because that could just lead mm. to gay marriage in churches like what oh my god nope. no one uh, it's hard to be a Mormon isn't it no it's wonderful not hard. No, no, it's just wonderful. It's demanding. Great expectations, I should say so, but it's wonderful. It's wonderful to resist the temptations of life. Oh, oh <laughs> I love that so uh, <laughs> That's so good. Um, okay. Oh, you don't go around resisting. You just develop a positive outlook and walk forward with faith. We don't dwell on the negative. We dwell on the positive positive toxicity yeah toxic positivity like I feel like he was the champion of that kind of teaching especially when we were growing up like mm -hmm. do not focus on anything negative just be happy be positive have faith listen to us and just keep going like it doesn't yep. matter your feelings don't matter <laughs> that was totally him what do you do with temptation what do you do with it set it aside put it behind and leave it there Oh my God, the metaphor too of like all of us who have left, how we say we keep putting the things that don't sit right with us on a shelf and eventually our shelf, our metaphorical shelf breaks because nope. you can't just constantly set things aside and not deal with them. <laughs> but that's how, like he, again, that was another thing that he was the king of, of just like push it down, like don't be offended, don't get yep. upset, like don't, you know, listen to anti-Mormon literature, which is just the truth. Like it's not anti-Mormon literature. <laughs> don't do any of that stuff. Just keep moving forward in faith. Yep. And you've been able to do that all your life? I tried to, yes. Were you ever, as a youngster, did you ever stray? 
Oh, I was a natural boy growing up. Of course I was. Just a freckled face kid, sure. <laughs> what, is, that. what is being freckled have anything to do with being tinted or going astray? I don't know. I guess if you have freckles, you're more of a rascal. You're more likely to get up to mischief. <laughs> Joke's on you, Hinkley. Freckles are in now. People literally yeah. paint them on their face. So Freckles are so cute. I love them. Okay, so just a freckled face kid, sure. I'll bet you were. Sure. I'll bet you had a little rascal in you. Sure I did. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The Mormon's public image in dealing with stereotypes. One, women are regarded lesser in the church. Oh, there's no substance to it. Ask the women. You'll get the answer. They can't <laughs> listen to what the tea that Larry King spills now. <laughs> so he says, ask the women, you'll get the answer. And then Larry King goes, they can't get your job, though. <laughs> so good. Oh, God, that's so good. Okay, Hinkley. No, they can't. They've got one of their own, and that's a very responsible job. They have their own organization They have their own board. It's the largest women's organization in the world with 4 million members. There's nothing like it anywhere else in the world, and they run a tremendous organization. (laughs) Off, Gordon B. Hinckley, because they do not have a quote-unquote one of their own. No woman can ever become the prophet of the Relief Society. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Just because you created this little separate area for the women to go to make them feel busy doesn't mean they have the same authority as you. None of them have the priesthood, so. And they never will. And even when he says that they have, what is it, they they have one of their own very responsible job, they have their own board, blah, blah, blah. What he's really saying is, yeah, there's really society, but also their greatest job or, or role or responsibility is being a mother. Like, Yeah, being a wife and a mother, that's it. Yeah. How is the church doing with black membership? Ooh, oh, can't wait to read this response. Uh, wonderfully, wonderfully. I was in Africa last January, dedicated a temple in Accra, Ghana. We have a great facility there. I'll be back in Nigeria sometime this coming year to dedicate a new temple there. And that temple will be devoted almost exclusively for the work that black people will do there. Okay. Why does his mind immediately just... Jump, jump to, to Africa. Africa. Like, you know, there are black people in the whole world, right? Yeah, exactly. It's like the most white man thing to say. Talking about black people, they're in the U.S. And he's like, oh, yeah, black people, Africa. Like, like that's not the only country. And also, it's a continent. It's not like. Yes. <sighs> and how he's talking about how they're the quote unquote, like, work they're doing there is building temples. Like, yeah. that's not. That's not helping anyone. No. No. Do you envision someday a black prophet? I can't believe you asked that question. Um, <laughs> could well be within the realm of possibility. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> so you've come a long way in that regard. We've come a long way. Oh, my God. No, you haven't really. You no, just hide the racism a little better now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is this next section's fun. <clears throat> You once said that you didn't like women working outside the house. Has that changed the realities of economic life? I think we're paying a price for it. (laughs) And then Larry King, I love this. He just goes, explain. 
in family life and looking after children, the family across America, across the world, is under terrible stress. We all recognize it, I think. You see it, latchkey children, gangs in our cities. The absence of a mother in the home is a very serious thing, I think. I hate that so much. And just imagine, like, it's just such a privileged thing to say. Like, not all women are in a search, like, especially Mormon women are in a situation where they can stay at home. And to put that pressure on a woman to be like, you should stay at home no matter what, when they financially cannot, or maybe they don't want to, maybe they want to have their own personal careers or goals or dreams that are outside of being a mother at home. Like, that's okay, too. Yeah, and to blame the quote-unquote terrible stress and city gangs on, on. he's blaming that on mothers going to work. It's the mother's fault that there's violence in the cities. Like, no, that's not even close. These, there's a lot, (laughs) the issues are not about uh, the mother working. No. No. He's an idiot. Uh, But the absence also of strong financial help causes many, many families to require both people to work. That's true, but I simply say this, be careful, do the very best you can, when all is said and done, the greatest satisfaction you'll have in this life as you grow old will be seeing your children grow in righteousness and faith and goodness as the citizens of the society of which they are a part. There will be no greater satisfaction than the satisfaction you gain from your family. Boom, there it is, yet again. Yep. Literally nothing you will ever do. Never, nothing you ever accomplish or anything about you or the goodness you do in the world will ever compare to what you're going to be doing as a mother and a wife. Like, that's literally so problematic. And imagine a Mormon woman reading this, listening, or I guess she'd be listening to this, watching this, and imagine that, A, maybe she's not married or she's past the age of having children, or she's having infertility issues or not able mm-hmm. to conceive. Imagine reading that or listening to it, watching it. Like, I, I can't even. It's so. It makes me so sad. It it's so really sad. It breaks my heart. It's so insensitive because as we all know that, I think pretty much everyone who is a parent will say that, like, their greatest joy in their life is their children. And, and, and that's as it should be. But it shouldn't be the only thing and the the thing that like defines you. So in, in what he's saying here is like, be careful women about going to work because you won't be satisfied unless you're a mom. And some people cannot be parents. Like it just won't happen. Oh. So what are you saying here? Like it, it's really fucked up. Oh, it's horrible. It's really heartbreaking. Yeah. Um. Okay. Holding the post you hold, this kind of responsibility, is it ever a burden? I mean... No. (laughs) You're the leader of a flock of 12 million. Yes, yes. That's a big CEO. Well... (laughs) (laughs) The leader of a flock of 12 million, big CEO, then he has nothing. Yep. He says, how do you deal when, and we've had a couple cases this year in Utah, when Mormons commit crimes against others? He just says yes. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Maybe, you know what? Maybe that was a, a, a pasting error on my part. I bet he said something else about um, 
what what was that what we were talking about earlier that you have your free agency I bet yeah he, he probably and I, like well people have free agency and yeah. yeah okay so I probably fucked that up I'm sorry GBH okay <laughs> <laughs> and your faith while it's 12 million strong tends to get singled out sure it does how do you deal with that well you just accept the facts as they are somebody's failed somebody's made a serious mistake it happens in every society everywhere. Fortunately, I think it happens less among us than it does in many other areas. Oh, and we've proven that that's not true. There's, like, crime and corruption everywhere in Mormonism. And it's the prime, like, environment for it. <laughs> yep. Um, I met your son. What does he do? I have two sons, good sons. They're both businessmen, yes. Of course they're businessmen. Of course they are. Are they very much into the church? Very much so. They've held high responsible positions. Yes, my daughters, likewise. I wouldn't oh, be surprised. I, sorry, I just <laughs> have to say, like, high responsible positions. I thought there was no higher position in the church, that they're all equal. Oh, that's a good point. But, yeah, this is just proving that I bet they were high up enough that they got paid. Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> How many grandchildren? I have 25 grandchildren. How many great-grandchildren? Oh, at the last count, about 40. They keep coming. <laughs> there are other things the Mormons do. We'll be right back with President Gordon B. Hinckley. Don't go away. Commercial break. <laughs> I just love that so much that he's just alluding to, like, how often the the Mormons do the hanky-panky because they just have so many kids. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay are you concerned about health in america i know the mormons concentrate a lot on eating well and doing the right things no smoking no drinking watching the foods they take but america is getting fat <gasps> can you even i just he was asking know. about health and health care in america and gordon b hinckley inserts that america is getting fat the ultimate body shaming and also, again, relating health with obesity or fat. They mm. are not the same. I don't know how no. many times I have to fucking say that. Like, it drives me insane. Yeah. I can't. Okay. And so then he tries to kind of correct him back and he goes, well, we don't have the best health system in the world anymore. Well, we're so affluent. That's one thing. We probably overdo it. So Hinckley is still on the overeating thing. And he's saying, we're so affluent. We all have so much money. Hey, guess what? No, we all don't. Like, no, there's much of America system. in poverty. Yeah. And the healthcare system is what, you know, millions of Americans are in debt with because of the healthcare system. Like, yes. that's the issue. It's all linked. It's all linked together. And racism is embedded in there as well. Yep. And he's just over here going, well, we probably just eat too much. Okay. Yeah. Um, Then he's uh, Larry King says, "Do you ever preach on that?" Oh, of course. I've given talks on the word of wisdom, as we call it. A great thing. It's a remarkable thing. In 1833, the church received this teaching on health that has blessed our people in a wonderful way. Statistical evidence shows that, by and large, we live longer than the normal population, and I think it's directly attributable to that law of health. I wonder if that's actually true. Like, if they do. That's so not true. Like, you know how much sugar they consume? 
Exactly. Like, and Diet Coke because they can't have fucking coffee. Like, yeah. Else in the world's so they drink like 10,000 cans of Diet Coke a day. Yeah. Like, sorry, you're and not healthier I, than the rest. <laughs> you're not healthier than the rest of the world just because you don't drink coffee and tea and exactly. you don't have beer. Like, I don't but know. You have mounds of sugar, which again, I'm not judging. Eat whatever the fuck yeah, you want. Yeah, have what you want. Yeah. <laughs> I love all those cookies and snacks that they have, but to say that they are healthier because they don't smoke or drink in comparison to the rest of the population, well, that's just bullshit. It's like, because there's different ways of being healthy, right? There's different things that will affect your body differently depending on the person. So, like, sure, we know that smoking can cause health issues, but like, so can, like you were mentioning, if you overeat sugar and you develop like maybe yeah. diabetes or something. So, like, exactly. it's different ways of being healthy. Quote unquote. Yep. <laughs> okay. Do you believe in healing? Surely. Of course we do. And there are those who go around and say they heal. How does the general public separate the genuine from the fraud? Well, I don't know that they do all these, but we do healing, of course. We bless people. The scripture indicates that if there be any sick among you, let them call in the elders of the church and anoint them with oil and bless them. And that's what we do. It's a sacred thing. It's a sacred ordinance in our church. So (laughs) So only Mormons can heal people. (laughs) It's like all the rest of them are frauds that are doing all of this quote unquote healing. But but no, we actually do it. Just trust me. (laughs) So arrogant and condescending. Like I bet King was just like this guy. (laughs) Okay. What happens when you die? When you die? Well, I'm not fully conversant with that. I haven't passed through that yet. That's so evasive. And <laughs> it's so vague. He's just like, like so much of the Mormon doctrine is taught about what happens after you die and the kingdoms. He just doesn't want to talk about it because it sounds batshit insane. So he doesn't want to talk about it on TV. That's like, in detail. He knows it's going to sound crazy. And so he doesn't want to talk about it. Yeah. So I'm not conversant with that like Like, but tell us what the church teaches he's not asking you if you've been there (laughs) yep okay so he says but you do believe that something happens oh of course we do we believe that death is part of an eternal journey that we lived as spirit children of our father before we came into this life that we're here in mortality as a part of an eternal living and that we will go on living after this life purposefully And that through the redemption of the Lord Jesus Christ, men will be resurrected. There will come a time of resurrection. And those who walk in obedience may go on to exaltation. Ooh, and by omission, (laughs) he's saying that if you're not obedient, you do not. (laughs) Yeah, you're going out of darkness. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what that voice was, and I'm very sorry about it. I immediately regretted it. (laughs) It was like Southern. I appreciate it. It was like (laughs) Colonel Sanders. Oh, my God. Okay. And you've been waiting so many years for this, the return of the Messiah. When do you expect it? I don't, I don't know. Even the angels in heaven don't know. I have no idea, but I'd welcome it at any time. The world has so many problems that if he were to come, it would be better. I think far better. Wait, sorry. Can I just say this just made me think of another story from the weekend that had me giggling so much so (laughs) please yes um whenever king asked like you're waiting for the return of the messiah when do you expect it so when we were with that friend who is mormon she was also talking about like (laughs) 72 hour kits and stuff and like 
<laughs> basically she went on about this and how like, you know, the church actually tells you to have like two weeks supplies, but you know, she just has like a 72 hour one where she like, she like, literally she took a picture of it and showed it to us. Right. And so, <laughs> and, then, and then Greg said, which had me cracking up, I couldn't hold it in. And I know they did not appreciate it. It was like her and her husband, but Greg was like, Oh, so they just think that Jesus is going to come back for three days and then leave. <laughs> like the way is you just is like is he just coming back for three days and then bouncing and I was like oh my god that's amazing <laughs> oh and it's so true it's like they're all preparing for this quote-unquote like end of the world or the return of the messiah and it's like yeah what do you think what what what's this timeline it's just only gonna take three days or two weeks you know what's <laughs> what's he doing while he's here <laughs> so good oh that's amazing tell greg i loved that (laughs) (laughs) Uh, okay back on track there's no doubt that in your mind he is coming he is coming but i have no idea when yes everyone both sarah and i keep saying he is coming i know (laughs) i literally was just thinking of that line too he is coming but i have no idea when and it's kind of like i just picture this woman being like or man being like oh my god when is this guy gonna come already like (laughs) oh god gross I'm tired. I have places to be. I have places to be. I'm hungry. Like, come on. <laughs> okay, so yeah, he said he's coming, but I have no idea when. And then Larry King goes, You are the prophet, right? <laughs> <laughs> so much shade. Oh, King, that is brilliant. I love that Hinkley just responds, Right. <laughs> Does that mean that according to the church canon, the Lord speaks through you? I think he makes his will manifest, yes. So if you change things, that's done by an edict given to you. Yes, sir. And here we have another one where people in the church like to say, no, they're just they're just imperfect men, like give him a break. And here he is literally saying, God talks through me. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. How do you receive it? Uh, also sexual joke <laughs> how do you want to receive it <laughs> uh, okay like um well various ways <laughs> <laughs> so many positions so many positions i could just alternate um it isn't necessarily a voice heard impressions come the building of this very building i think is an evidence of that there came an impression a feeling that we need to enlarge our facilities where we could hold our conferences and it was a very bold measure. We had to tear down a big building here and put this building up at great cost. But for goodness sakes, what a wonderful thing it has proven to be. It is an answer to many, many needs. And I think it is the result of inspiration. <laughs> so he's, yeah, he was asked how, like, how does God talk to you? And he literally said, well, I thought this building needed to be bigger. Isn't that amazing? That, that yeah, was God's idea. <laughs> so God will answer you on that, but not all the other actual serious problems in the world. But for this, he's like, mm, I want to have a new blueprint, like a blue plan. Like, let me let me look through this. Yeah. With you. I don't know how I feel about the building. Yeah, this is divine inspiration. Yeah, let's, let's <sighs> get this architect oh on gosh. this. <laughs> yeah. And that came from something higher than you. I think so. <laughs> he said, I think so. Shouldn't he say, like, yes? Yeah, shouldn't he say yes? I, yeah. All right. Do you ever get involved in politics? 
No, not since I was a very young man, and I was a uh, went to the state convention as a delegate. Republican? Yes, I was. I had that feeling. <laughs> That's so good. Um, but I have not. I voted for men and not for the party. The church doesn't become involved in politics. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Hmm? The church does become involved in politics a lot. Yeah. What can you tell us? What about 2005? 2005, I think, is going to be a good year. I'm optimistic. I think that we can look forward with hope and faith. I hope there will be a resolution of the Iraq situation. I earnestly hope so. I hope that the economy will be good, and I hope there will be peace across the world. Oh, clearly this is a sign enough that Hinckley is not a prophet and doesn't speak to God and he doesn't know the future because the economy crashes in, what, 2008? Yeah. Um, <laughs> the Iraq situation goes on until 2022. So. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, he's not very prophetic for a prophet, right? He, and he just ends it with like this wishy-washy, oh, I'm optimistic, blah, blah, blah. Um, so that's where I ended the transcript, but. Yeah, it was just very clear, like, oh, you're not a prophet. You can't, you don't know what's going to happen because. No. Yeah, all that stuff going on. The fact that, like, Larry King just calls him out on all the bullshit is hilarious. I love the little zingers. I just can't (laughs) believe that they let him go on air. I know. I can't believe because it definitely did a lot of damage, I'm sure. Like, he didn't. He didn't answer anything well. He didn't answer anything well. And then he also answered some things in a way that I think they were honest in terms of like, oh, yeah, we're against gay marriage and we don't think women should work outside the home. And when we talk about black people, the only thing we can talk about is Africa. (laughs) Like, that doesn't look good. And I mean, that's that's how it should be. But it doesn't look good, like, because. They, they aren't good. Those aren't good no. concepts and teachings. Um, yeah, I am surprised that he went on. And, I, you know, because I don't think that they'd let, like, Russell Nelson go on any talk show now. Oh, no. I think, the yeah, the, the PR is way too strong. They wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, oh, my that God. Was I'm so glad you, you found that. You did an amazing job at being GBH. I just couldn't tell a difference. Oh my god, should I like audition for to play him in like a documentary? (laughs) Yes. I feel like we could pitch that to the church and I'll be like, I will play Gordon B. Hinckley. Oh, you'll just make so much money and it's your life (laughs) calling, truly. It really is. Oh, (laughs) so much fun. Oh my god, gross. Um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I did learn about him. I looked just a little bit up and, you know, he, you know how a lot of the apostles, they'll have like other careers before they become an apostle. He literally went from being a missionary to working for the church full time. So his whole life was working oh. in the church and then becoming an apostle and then becoming a prophet. I did not um, know that. I should know that. Cause I took that, um, living prophets course at BYU where we had to fucking memorize all of the prophets and their uh, lives and their careers. And what a waste of your time and your so like much. brain space. It's like, why aren't you teaching me things that are actually valuable? Like, I just wish I could get back that brain space from all those 
bullshit religion classes I had to take. But Oh, uh, God. <laughs> well, thank you for going on that journey. Thank you all for listening to our dramatic rendition. Um, <laughs> I enjoyed it very much. Let us all know what you thought. If you, Especially if you grew up with Gordon B. Hinckley as the prophet. Do you remember this interview? And what did you think of it when you saw it? Yeah, I have. I mean, like Katie mentioned in the beginning, like this was the prophet for us growing up until my early adulthood. Like, I mean, I saw him at BYU. I went to like a devotion, a a weekly BYU devotion that he was giving his talk at. And I was like, oh, my God, he's the prophet. I can feel the spirit. It's him. (laughs) Um, So definitely this is all reminiscing. Like this is definitely bringing back memories um, of childhood and adulthood of being a Mormon. Oh, God. (laughs) Shake it off. (laughs) Shake Shake it off. off. And on that note, close the curtain. Close the curtain? Isn't that what they say when you finish the show? Oh, and the curtains close. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And our acting career has stopped as quick as it started. (laughs) Girl, I didn't even get off the ground. (laughs) (laughs) All right, listeners, we'll talk to you next week. Talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.